Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. As always, I'm Nika Spaulding, and today we are continuing on in the book of Amos, and we're going to finish up chapter 4 today. We're going to look at chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Amos chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. And So let's jump right in. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest, I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew. Your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword and carried away your horses. And I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. And yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. I have a question for you. How stubborn are you? Right. Some people just... I, my, like, I remember growing up and learning how to do interview questions. It was always so clever if you could try and come like, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? You're like, my strength is that I'm very stubborn because I don't give up on a project. And my weakness is I'm stubborn because I don't give up on a project. So pretty much, yeah, it's all good. I'm always good. Uh, I am an incredibly stubborn person. I'm very hard-headed. This comes out in my determination to finish something I start. This comes out in my willingness to dig my heels in when I'm arguing with somebody. And so my mom can just tell you stories after stories of trying to raise me of, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. And I'm, I cross my arms. I'm like, then then punish me. And I remember I'd get like sort of the ratcheting up of punishments. First, it was go to your room. Okay, did you clean your room? Nope. Okay, well, then you can't do this. I don't care. I'm not cleaning my room. Okay, now you're going to get a spanking. I don't care. I'm not cleaning my room. Okay, now we're going to withhold your inheritance from you when you turn. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. But yeah, I mean, there was this ratcheting up that you would hope as a parent, at some point, your child would go, the punishment just ain't worth it. You know, I don't I don't want to experience the next iteration of consequences. So I'm going to turn back now. That is unless you raise someone like me. Or in God's case, he raises someone like Israel. We are seeing God come to them and say, hear the word of the Lord. Heed my word. Remember, Amos is a prophet, which means he is God's spokesperson. In chapter 3 and chapter 4, we have this repetition of hear, hear me, Israel, hear this word. This isn't Amos talking. This is God through Amos talking. And he's trying to tell them, 
you have done wrong, turn back now. If you don't, this will happen. Well, now we have this pivot in chapter four, the second half of chapter four, where we've just heard about all these terrifying things God is going to do. And now we get to find out just how not innocent Israel is. This is not a one-time occurrence that God's like, oh, you didn't do what I say? Okay, I'm going to burn you to the ground. No, 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 no. What we get here is a peek into what God has already been doing to try and get Israel to repent. Like we we started out in chapter three looking at the, okay, I'm going to burn it all to the ground. But now we're backing up a little bit and go, hey, by the way, you've had multiple chances to turn back. And so what God is doing through Amos in these first, and then verses six through 13 is you see how he starts out, I gave you cleanness of teeth. Well, when your teeth are clean in the ancient world, that means you didn't have anything to eat. Your teeth are dirty when you're eating. If they're clean, that means you're in a famine. So he talks about a famine and he talks about withholding rain, which is also famine and mildew and all these things. And what you have to understand here is when God chose Israel to be his people, Remember, we've talked about this story over and over again, how God has taken Abram, Abraham had Ike, Ike had Jake, Jake had Joe, and the other 11 sons, and all those broskies became a nation skis, and then God comes to them and rescues them out of Egypt, and if you remember, God comes to them and says, will you be my people? They're like, yeah, bro, we are in, and so then he's like, okay, well, there's some stipulations here, and they're like, yeah, 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 no, lay them on us, and he's like, this is what it looks like to obey, this is what it looks like to disobey, and if you've really paid attention in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there's a couple of passages, specifically in Leviticus 26, and then Deuteronomy 28, which talks about, if you're obedient, here are the blessings. If you're disobedient, here are the consequences. And what Amos is pointing out is God has already started down the path of those disobediences. If you read through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you're going to see this was the consequence for their disobedience. So again, God has come to Israel. Hey, y'all need to stop it. Here's a consequence. I'm going to I'm gonna make you cleanness of teeth. I'm going to take away your bread. Here's another consequence. Why is he doing this? For the hope of restoration. Good parents... When they discipline their children, it's not because they're angry at their child or disappointed necessarily. That that might be a component of the discipline. But good parents know the hope of discipline is restoration. The hope of consequences is to curve behavior that leads to your child's destruction. We've all been around those kids. And I'm not going to say kids in Target because, y'all, sometimes kids in Target just lose their ever-loving minds. And there are plenty of good parents who have watched their kids break dancing on the tile floors of Target while screaming because they can't have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sheets or whatever it is. So I, hear me. But we have been around kids, whether in Target or in our home and all that, where parents just choose to allow them to misbehave. And we, and, and we know how those kids grow up. Right. It is a loving parent who steps in and says, ooh, that behavior. Yeah, that's not how we as a family behave. That's also not a behavior that's going to lead to your goodness over time. So I'm going to go ahead and step in here and I'm going to correct you. And if the kid ratchets it up again, the parent ratchets up the consequences. That is exactly what we're seeing here. Israel has had warning shot after warning shot after warning shot. There have already been drastic consequences for her rebellion. There has already been God implementing what he said back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy he would do if they chose to disobey because, because he loves them. And we see Israel going, no, no, 
So it's a question of how stubborn are you? I mean, what does it take for Israel to return to God? Because lest you come to this passage and go, Woo, God is angry. Wasn't there an easier way? Couldn't there have been a lesser consequences? Couldn't they have had a slap on the hand? You are absolutely right to ask that question. And this is what chapter four is answering. You betcha. He tried the slap on the hand. He tried putting them in the corner. He tried doing all the things that parents do in order to get their children to come back out of a love for them. And Israel just kept saying, mm, hard pass. We're going to keep doing this because we love the riches of our iniquity. So chapter four continues on. I tried, I tried, I tried. And then it's crazy to me, this comparison of Israel to Egypt and then Israel to Sodom and Gomorrah. So whether you really know your Bible that well or not, you there's chances are you know Sodom and Gomorrah because it has become a thing in, in common culture. Like it is referenced in literature. It's referenced just in, oh, that place is like, like how many times have you heard Las Vegas jokingly or seriously or however you want to say it called Sodom and Gomorrah? We think of places like when we talk about places of iniquity, debauchery, sin, whether jokingly or seriously, often they get referred to as Sodom and Gomorrah. That is not a compliment. <laughs> you do not want somebody to be like, oh, when you go to Nika's home, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. I would be deeply offended by that. I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you think goes on here? So for Israel to have been oppressed by Egypt, to have seen the sinfulness of Egypt's treatment of Israel, to then be compared to Egypt, and then For God to say, hey, you guys are like the new Sodom and Gomorrah. Your sin is such that I'm going to overthrow you or I had overthrown you in the same way I had to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how bad your sin is. You can look back at the Old Testament passages and think about the pinnacles of destruction and decay and death instead of life and goodness and flourishing. And you will think of Egypt and you will think of Sodom and Gomorrah. So much so that you could today be like, ooh, that's a regular old Sodom and Gomorrah. And people, even people who don't read their Bible, would know what you're talking about. And that's what God is saying to them. I had to treat you like Egypt. I had to treat you like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how bad you are. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like a mo- like my parent. Like I was so stubborn as a child. Y'all seriously pray for my mother. I've given her every gray hair on her head. And I'm trying to think of like, what is like without the I'm risking being culturally insensitive here. So I'm, that's why I'm struggling. But I'm trying to think of like my mom being like, I had to treat you. OK, this is it. Forgive me if this is offensive. I had to treat you like you were Charles Manson because you wouldn't stop with your disobedience. So I had to go to the length at which we had to go to. I had to lock you up for a lifetime to keep you from doing great harm. Like that, that's what he's saying here is when there, there's no positive connotation to Charles Manson. And, and that's extreme. Obviously, if my parents were to compare me to that, they'd be, like, they'd be like, whoa, that's the extremeness in Israel's disobedience. That God has come to him over and over and over and over. And then so you ask yourself if you're like me and you look at your parent because I was stubborn And just because they were my parent didn't give them the grounds to discipline me in my childhood mindset because, you know, super wise, 12-year-old, super, super had it together. And I might have in my disobedience been like, who are you to try and discipline me? 
That's a natural question. Who is God to hold Israel accountable? We've seen, I have tried to disarm you with pestilence. I have tried to make you return. And yet, in the words we see repeated over and over again, yet you would not return to me. And we see it over and over again. And the question that could be lingering is, is who is God to hold Israel accountable anyways? Who, who is God to even tell Israel, how dare you do these things? And Amos answers that question because he says, okay, Israel, You've been given the slap on the hand. You've been given the corner timeout. You've gotten your allowance taken away from you. You haven't been allowed to go out with your friends on Friday night. You've now been grounded for the year. You have now, you know, that is just ratcheting and ratcheting and ratcheting and ratcheting. And finally it gets to the point where he says, prepare to meet your God. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's an incredibly dramatic moment in scripture. You have not obeyed. You are disobeying to the point that every time God sends in a prophet, you ignore him or her. So prepare to just meet your God. And that is a wholesome and terrifying thing because who can look upon God? No one can. No one except for the, the members of the Trinity. And when you've been invited and even Moses can only look at the shielded part, the backside of God. Otherwise, he would, he would die. So then prepare to meet your God. And he tells them, behold, he formed the mountains and creates the wind. Who am I to hold you accountable? I'm the one that made everything. Who am I to hold you accountable? I make the morning darkness. I walk on high places. Do you know why I'm allowed to tell you what is good and right and stop you in your tracks? Because I'm flipping God. That's why. Because all that you see, you hear, you taste, you smell, you experience, all of that is from me. So I get to tell you whatever I want. And I get to tell you how to obey. And I get to tell you when you've stepped out of line. Because I'm God. Notice the incredible cosmic language. This is often what we see in in God's resume, this reminder of how small humanity is and how big God is. These aren't even good enough words. Small to big is like minutia to to majuscule. I, I don't even know how to compare with the English words how infinitely inferior we are to God. And that's why he's often robed in cosmic language to point out the disparity between what he created and the creator, that the things that we see, and I just came back from Taos and I stared at the mountains and thought, wow, you are so big and you are so hard to conquer. And God like skips across them. With the breath of his mouth, he created them. That's why God's allowed to hold them accountable. And so this is a good passage to help us remember that God has been patient with them. We sometimes can open up the book of Amos to a part that seems especially harsh, and we forget there has been time and time and time again where God has tried to get their attention, that he didn't escalate up to the highest form of consequences. He is a patient and loving father who has given them opportunity to come back after opportunity to come back. And so that's our so what for today. As you read this, and there's an emotional appeal that's going on. I did this to you, and yet... You would not return to me. That is painful. You would not return to the one who created you with his breath, who walks on the high places, who tells the wind where to go and where darkness is stopped. He snaps and the sun comes up. 
That's the kind of God we're talking about. The God, the God, no other God, the, 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 the God who made you and formed you and loved you and created you and gave you a purpose and a hope and all of that. And he's come to you time and time again. Come back, come back, come back. And so our so what is, I just want us to reflect on how patient this God is. And if he was patient with Israel in the midst of her iniquity and her transgressions, don't you think he's patient with you too? A God who gave them time after time after time to return. Don't you think he's that patient with you too? God is eager to see you restored to him. But he is also a patient and loving father who gives you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent. So I just want you to take some time and meditate and think on that. All right, friends. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. Way more importantly, God does.